Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to talk about uh, some relational relational stuff. And as always, I want it to be applicable to all the different relationships in our lives. Parent-child, friend-to-friend. Going to talk about it, though, for, through the entry point of a primary relationship and I always acknowledge the same skills are the same skills. And, um, you know, I do couples and sex therapy often as a specialty. And so that's why that's where my mind will go traditionally first. But like I said, single, married, poly, throupled, open, whatever's going on in your life, this might apply to a primary partnership or all the other relationships in your life. Let's drop in. So one of the concepts that I teach the couples that are patients in my private practice. And one of the guideposts is that we want to become experts on the important and primary people in our lives. Now, when we talk about uh, triggers, we've talked about it on the show before, we'll talk about it again. Triggers show us where our work is. People misunderstand triggers to imply that whoever triggered us, oh, it's about them. They shouldn't have triggered us. So the work is theirs. Don't do that. Well, no, foremost and primarily, if triggered, that is for us to learn about ourselves and where our work is. It shows us where some healing's required. So when we're triggered, that is a mirror being held up so we can see ourselves and learn about ourselves. So that's the first foundational point that needs to be made before I move on to the wider point. So other people are not responsible for our behavior. Other people are not responsible for our reactions. We are. And that's why often, and very frustratingly so for some people, when we're talking about an issue in couples therapy or out in the world, someone's reaction to whatever happened might be very large, dramatic, dysregulated, and that's where we first begin with the reaction before we maybe even get to what it is that led to that reaction. It's triage. That's the thing that requires attention first so that we can settle down and actually work through, unpack, and have a transformative, meaningful conversation. So in therapy, it's often about putting out those small fires before you can even drop deeper because we have to be safe and calm to be able to drop deeper. And so we practice in therapy in that moment when someone's dysregulated or triggered on how to work with regulation and working through triggers. It happens in the moment. It's not something we theoretically discuss, don't address as it's happening, and think that people are gonna go home and do that work. So that's the foundational piece. Now having said that, the second step 
is we want to be aware of the special needs of those in our lives. We are not responsible for their behavior. We are not responsible for their triggers. We are not responsible for their reactions, but we do want to be aware of a few things because with primary people in our lives, friends, family members, loved ones, we do want to have a sense of what a lot of people call, or I call their owner's manual. And there's a few key points that we want to consider that fall under the rubric of understanding someone's owner's manual. Cause if they're going to be in our life in a primary ongoing way, we do want to have a little bit of a sense of what might be difficult for them, set them off, trigger them. We are not responsible, but we might compassionately and willingly be thoughtful about not walking them into those things or having some sensitivity around it while understanding it's not our job. And as always, if this is work you're not willing to do, then I do question the health of the relationship you're in because that means then that there's a lack of true partnership, a lack of true care, um, and maybe some deep-rooted resentment that needs to be worked through. So if this work that we're gonna talk about tonight is something you're not willing to do with the important people in your life, well, that's a little bit of a canary in a coal mine and you have some work to do. Why are you with that person if you're not willing to do this work? It's part of being in relationships with people. We do impact them and they do impact us. We understand that. And it's one of the things that I try to drive home in all of my segments is that all of my shows and all my segments and in a lot of my writing is this understanding that when we are in relationship with someone, whatever that relationship is, we become a psychological system where we do impact and infect each other with our thoughts and our feelings. Um, whenever we socialize with someone, in their presence, connecting with them. We mimic, we model, we mirror, we become infected and we pass along emotions back and forth. And our brains, God bless them, are always trying to protect us and they're always trying to read the emotion and the intent in the other person. So we're gonna talk about this, how to be better people within relationships. We're gonna be looking at how, you know, what, what are the things we need to consider and what are the things more importantly we wanna learn about the important people in our lives so that we can be better for them and they can be better for us. Why? Because it's a feedback loop. And that's why when someone says, I don't wanna do this work, I don't care about being a better best friend or I don't care about um, my primary partner, I think, okay, well you need to because they're impacting your mental health greatly and you're impacting theirs. Even if you're saying, I'm disconnecting, I'm setting a boundary, I'm taking space, Neuro neurologically, emotionally, and nervous system wise, that isn't happening and that's not true and they're still impacting you. And in fact, anger and resentment is a way of actually being closer to that person. They're occupying even more time in your brain and your body and in your psyche. So that's why this work is so necessary. So we're gonna talk about that and uh, then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into DMs on our Loveline page. We'll be back, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we're back and we're talking about how to improve relational functioning by taking into account certain factors because all relationships are systems whether we like it or not if we spend enough time with someone and even sometimes just in shared space with someone we don't know well, our brains wire. That's what our nervous systems are meant to do, hook on each other. We pass emotions back and forth. We also see that in animals. When, an, when one animal in a herd gets spooked, that gets passed along. It's a protective mechanism. Our brains are social. It's an evolutionarily built-in survival mechanism. Emotions are about communication. Motivations um, are also what are born out of emotions. Emotions are meant to communicate, to motivate, um, and we need to take care of each other. And, and that's why we are never single systems. And in the more connected relationships, we become a two-person system. So as we said in the earlier segment, we are not responsible for other people's behavior. We are never responsible for other people's reactions. And we're not responsible for what triggers them. That is for them to figure out. That is where their work is. However... We do want to be aware of a few things because if we love and care for someone, parent, child, friends, primary partners, we do want to have their owner's manual so as to best understand what they need. And as I say on the show all the time, so sometimes they can, we can give them what we call borrowed functioning. We can give them a skill set that they don't have access to. We can help elevate them when they can't do that on themselves for themselves. And also we can help co-regulate. So what are the things though we want to try to understand or get to know? I want to really break it down specifically so we can try to understand these things or have answers for these things. Okay. So there's a few key things we want to look for. First, we want to understand what are the things that make them feel insecure or vulnerable? Why? Because in theory, <laughs> we care about them. If you don't care about them, you got a lot of work to do. It's time to heal or time to get out. But I'm going to assume we're all in healthy relationships 
and that we do care about them. And even though, again, we understand that we are not responsible for their triggers, that is for them to do work on to heal and resolve, we do want to be aware of what maybe makes them feel very vulnerable or very insecure. Because if we care about someone, we don't want to walk them into that and we don't want to create that. What does that mean? Well, I want to understand what are the things I don't want to say or do to make this person feel bad. I want to understand historical traumas or things they've struggled with, with friends, family members. Um, I don't want to recreate that. And I want us to all also have that understood so that you don't necessarily recreate that. Why? Because relationships ideally are a healing mechanism. They are a healing resource. Hopefully, as we move on from relationship to relationship, they make us better, not make us worse. They don't hopefully recreate the same injuries and traumas of the past. That's ideally what we try to do. So we want to understand what are their insecurities and vulnerabilities. And I ask that of the couples I work with if we're doing this kind of work. Now, for some couples that are higher functioning and there's a lot of love, care, and compassion, some of this is already built in. Some of this they're already doing. Some of this is already, you know, that groundwork is laid. But for newer couples or couples that have a lot of conflict, I'll say, do you understand your partner's vulnerabilities and insecurities? Because if not, well, then you might very much be part of that system that's problematic for both of you. You're not responsible for that, but I'd love for you to be willing to step into that. Kind of like, I don't know, think of literally anything. You're not responsible for your child's homework, but if they're struggling to understand something, don't you sit down and kind of help them through that and give them some borrowed intelligence, some borrowed functioning, as I say? I hope if you see someone carrying in their groceries, you are not responsible for, their, to get it, for someone to get their groceries into the house, but wouldn't you maybe go over and give them some barred functioning by helping them carry it in? Don't you acknowledge and identify what, what you might be able to provide for them because you care? I hope so. Um, don't you maybe if you see someone leaving a store and their arms are full, open the door for them? You, that's you saying I care about people's vulnerabilities. We want to think also in emotional and psychological terms as well. And that's where we talk about things like vulnerabilities and insecurities. I personally don't want to make someone's life harder because I'm a part of it. I want to make it better. So I want to understand who they are and what I don't really want to create or walk them into. And sometimes we don't realize or learn about that until it's happening. This is something we can talk about, but often it's experiential. Taking note of the conversations or topics or things that are said that maybe we can tell have really set them off, um, brought them maybe backwards into a trauma response, maybe made them drop their head and, and silently go into guilt or shame. Log that, track that. People will sometimes instead weaponize that and take advantage of that. It's like, that is the wrong direction. We want to log that and say, okay, noted. I'm going to not make, I'm going to make sure to the best that I can that that doesn't happen because I'm not responsible for their reactions. I'm not responsible for their triggers. I'm not responsible for their behavior, but I want to help them. I don't want to make it harder for them. So we pay attention to those things. So if uh, all of us are in multiple relationships at different, at different times, ask yourself the people that I spend the most time with, the people that I care the most for, the people that are more primary in my life, do I know their insecurities and vulnerabilities? And do I help protect them from that? Or do I walk them into that? Check yourself on that. Be part of the healing. Be part of the solution. Be the one safe space where they know that that won't occur. And again, we can talk it out. We can have it brought up through conversation or through experience. And, and healthy people are mindful and they're paying attention to that. Unhealthy people just focus on themselves, 
focus on their own emotions and don't acknowledge that when I'm in a relationship, we impact each other and that that has to be part of the deal that we will keep each other safe. What an amazing concept. Imagine how different the world would be if we all took that responsibility, all of us with everyone we encounter, not ever wanting to be part of making their life harder or more difficult, but in fact, the opposite. All right, we're gonna talk more about the other couple points that are a part of better understanding someone's owner's manual, AKA understanding how to be part of their healing process. I challenge us all to do that. And then we'll be doing the DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, drop deeper into, circle back, put them in there, and uh, past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. All that good stuff is over that way, so head on over there. We'll be back, though, so stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back talking about the things we want to be aware of if we're a human being in any kind of relationship with another human being, especially ones that are primary, uh, quite consistent, because we impact them, they impact us. And uh, with the couples I work with that are married, getting married, long-term relationships, this is imperative because the amount of time that they spend together, we definitely get to have an impact on our own quality of life by understanding this person that we're always around and what it is that we need to do to help them feel at their best, which then systemically comes back and impacts us and helps us be better. Um, a lot of interesting peripheral research that goes into this. Not only do we understand how we impact each other, but then there's also this piece of people are more um, prone to focus on taking care of themselves and doing more self-care when they are cared for because people's self-worth and self-esteem is relational. People's self-esteem and self-worth comes from how people are treated and talked to. And when we make someone feel good and care for them, they then feel they are worth caring for for themselves. They'll take better care of themselves. They don't do that when we attack, put them down, and shame, which is the route a lot of people go. Say really horrible things to get someone to dress differently or better or work on their hygiene or you know whatever they think they need to do with their body, which is so problematic. People will shame them and put them down, make fun of them thinking that's motivating. It's not. Um, in fact, again, instilling in them a sense of worth by celebrating them, complimenting them, making them feel good is what's going to make them also think they are worth taking care of and then more motivated, motivated excuse me, to do so. <clears throat> I don't know why in our culture we started going the other route. Where we're like, we'll scream at people, we'll put them down, we'll do tough love. That is not what the research shows is helpful or motivating or gives them a, a positive sense of self or positive self-regard. Quite the opposite. So let's stop with that mess. <laughs> so we were talking about the first point, which is you want to understand someone's insecurities and vulnerabilities so that you're not creating them, setting them off, triggering them, triggering them, walking them into it. You're not responsible for that because again, triggers are for us to learn about where our work is and where our healing has to take place. It is not about the person who did it making changes. People don't need to stop triggering us. We need to stop allowing those triggers to exist by working through and healing them. However, in important relationships, we do want to be a part of that process by making it easier. We don't want to set them up. So yes, stop triggering people if you care about someone while acknowledging it's not my responsibility, but it's something I'm willing to do. It's an act of compassion and love. So we want to know their insecurities and vulnerabilities to not walk them into it. Then the then another piece is, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to be aware of the things that set them off. Because for some of us, God bless, we think back to our early childhoods and there were things that let's say a family member or a parent said to us that we know is a 
shortcut <laughs> to a meltdown, to dropping into shame, to feeling unsafe and uncared for. There's certain words, certain behaviors. Um, I was in a relationship with someone where when their father was abusive, emotionally or physically, there was something about quiet car rides that that was used as a punishment where their father would be in silence and wouldn't talk to anyone and or as a result of the ongoing violence in the family, the car rides didn't feel safe enough to talk and bond. And so for this person, when we were in a relationship, they'd say to me, it's important to me because they were, you know, they were in therapy and doing the work. And they said, it's important to me that we don't sit in silence in the car because it really triggers and takes me back to that. Now that's not my responsibility. This person needs to heal and have the ability to tolerate silence. But I said, thank you for letting me know. I'm happy to be aware of that. And when we're driving, especially for long distances, I'll be mindful about holding your hand to let you know you're safe or engaging in starting meaningful conversation or maybe playing music. I don't mind being a part of that. Kind of like you're not responsible for someone who's trying to improve their strength at the gym, but you still might be willing to be like, here's a protein shake or I washed your gym shorts. Like you're not responsible for them getting there and improving their strength if that's their goal. But you might be willing to help by saying, yeah, I'll watch the kids so you can go or here I made you a protein shake or you know whatever it is. We're often willing to do that in non, you know, non uh, psychological, emotional ways, we can extend that beyond. So think about that, because I want this to actually be some homework. Do I know the things that I might say or do that are very problematic for my partner, maybe because of historical family of origin stuff or prior relational stuff because a you know prior partner would say this to put them down or say this to belittle them or whatever it might be, take note of that and remove that from your vocabulary as, a, as out of a move of love. Because again, we're trying to understand their insecurities and vulnerabilities, and we're also trying to understand the concepts, scenarios, and phrases and words that really set them off and trigger them. So those are the first two points and questions you want to ask yourself. Very meaningful, but also very reasonable. <laughs> and again, if you're not willing to do these things, ask yourself why. Why do I not love my partner? Why do I not care about their mental health? Why am I okay being a part of the problem? Why don't I want to be a part of them healing and feeling better? Is it time to do some work on this relationship? Or maybe I should leave because I'm resentful and toxic for them. Ask yourself that. And, and again, if you have partners that aren't willing to do this work, you got to look at what that means as well. And sometimes what comes up in couples therapy is the, the lack of willingness and what that means. All right, y'all, coming up, we're going to be doing some DMs, so stick around for that. Questions, topics you got, put them in the DMs on our Loveline G page. Otherwise, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my best friend Rachel has been with her girlfriend Izzy for over a year. Rachel is 28, Izzy is 23. They're very similar in a lot of ways, but emotionally, they're on completely different levels. Izzy is still immature and growing. Rachel's more settled, able to express her feelings without holding on to any anger or resentment. It's just really tough to watch, especially when their arguments happen when we're all out. Oh, that's the worst. Kind of embarrassing too, huh? I really want to talk to Rachel about this, but I'm not sure how to bring it up without making it seem like I'm unsupportive of their relationship. 
I am supportive of whatever makes them happy. Do you have any suggestions on how to approach the conversation? Uh, yes, very softly, gently, and lovingly. And you can only speak about the parts of it that relate to you. You don't have a right to weigh in on how they are relating to each other. That's none of your business unless you're seeing abuse. And then a good friend would weigh in and say, hey, that's abuse. But outside of that, it's really just, hey, when you two fight, uh, I feel really uncomfortable and it makes everyone feel uncomfortable and it's kind of embarrassing and you have a right to share that. And I'd say it lovingly. Hey, Rachel, I think Izzy's great. Has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with her. I think your relationship's awesome. However, sometimes when we're all out, you you all fight very loudly, publicly, demonstratively, and it makes everyone a little embarrassed and uncomfortable. Can we ask that you don't do that? That's fair. Anything that impacts you, you have a right to weigh in on. And your friend, if they're healthy, Rachel, as you claim she is, would want to know how they're impacting you and would want to fix something if it's making you uncomfortable. Bigger than that, that's a very dysregulated couple that they can't wait until they get home to problem solve something. I imagine whatever they're fighting about doesn't need to be resolved in that moment. And I'm also going to assume that they're both very dysregulated and they're cranking up the the reactivity around whatever it is that's going on. Like, Learn how to regulate, learn how to shelve those issues and come back to them. Learn how to be aware of how you're impacting the people around you. People that just pop off and get dysregulated in public and disturb everyone, that's a sign of uh, some mental health issues. Learning how to less, be less sensitive, less reactive and come back down the baseline better. Learning self-soothing skills and co-regulation. All the things I talk about on Loveline and work with my patients on. So yeah, that is hard to be around. No one should have to be around that. And you can lovingly, without labeling, name calling, just say, often when you two fight, it makes everyone uncomfortable. Could you work on not having that happen in public, in front of us, when we're all sitting there? Maybe step away, maybe come back to it. Yeah, bring that up. You have a, you, you have a right to do that. In fact, I want everyone to do that. And I want our listeners to, to hear that. That's not a good thing. Uh, I see these videos of people screaming in restaurants and in stores, and it's like, where did we? When did we start normalizing that? When did we start making that okay or reasonable? It's it's not. That's not what mental health looks like. Have a filter. Calm down. Come back to it. Um, all right, we got another question. We got time for another one. It says, "Hey, Doctor Chris, generally had a question about being a therapist. What are some exercises you do to protect yourself from absorbing everyone else's energy?" Um, well, it's better. It's really, it's not about protecting as in not being impacted by it. It's more about managing because when you are connecting with someone on any level, especially as a therapist, you are going to have some of their feelings and information blowing through your nervous system. Our nervous system's hook. Uh, that's part of empathy and attunement. That is my tool as a therapist. And we can't not do that with someone. It's just about not getting overloaded by it. And it's about taking time away from it. And it's about being able to leave it behind. And so I have a lot of different rituals. When I'm done for the day, I take a shower and I take my office clothes off. And that's a way that I let my body know. It's a safety cue. I let my body know that I'm no longer around that material or in that role and that I'm safe now and I'm at home. I also immediately do things that are rooted in joy, pleasure, or leisure. And those are ways to also transition your nervous system into a more relaxed state. So I take a nap, take a bath, do something sexual, read a book, go for a walk, eat, eat a pint of ice cream, something that's soothing and pleasurable and fun. Because again, I'm letting my nervous system know I'm away from all of those triggers. Because when someone's sharing their material, of course, our systems pick it up. We get emotionally infected. We can't shut that down. It's about managing and having some boundaries and time away. So it's about having those cues that we're away from that. So I have rituals and transitions. And again, joy and pleasure are ways to further soothe. And I just make sure I build them in. And that's also what I train my interns in. That's also what we all need after difficult inter, you know, social interactions and um, conflict. All right, y'all. 
We'll be back. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit. And uh, we are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. It's where you can get past episodes. But we got a whole lot more to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and uh, talking about how to be better human beings. <laughs> more importantly, though, acknowledging that we impact people's mental health and we're trying to take that seriously. And we're talking about, hey, there's some people that are in our lives in primary ways, close friendships, family stuff, loved ones. Uh, and we want to understand their owner's manual. We want to understand what makes them feel safe and better. So we're kind of breaking down a couple key points. These are questions I want you to ask of yourself so as to determine what you might need to find out, what work you might need to do. Talking about understanding this primary person in our role, in our lives, uh, core insecurities so that we can be aware of helping protect them from them, even though that's not our work, but we have a willingness to be a part of that. Uh, also understanding scenarios, situations, and words, maybe phrases that set them off, trigger them, and being thoughtful about not using them while, again, recognizing triggers, uh, someone else's triggers aren't our responsibility. It's for them to learn and work on themselves. But out of love and care, we're willing to also thoughtfully not walk them into a trigger. That's mean. <laughs> You know, if someone was teased as a child for something or called something, why would you want to use that? Or why would you want to say that, right? It's not kind. You're mean if you do that. You're toxic. It's a form of psychological abuse, 100%. Verbal abuse would be the name calling. Psychological abuse would be misusing and manipulating and weaponizing scenarios and mindsets and things like that that historically have hurt this person. So we're trying to be the opposite of that. Um, okay, so what else do we want to be considerate of? What makes them feel unsafe? What makes this person feel like you're not there for them? Because in primary relationships of any kind, parent, child, friend, and friend, loved one, romantic partner, we want them to feel safe with us. You know, in attachment theory, we talk a lot about being a safe haven. And that means we are a, a resource of um, safety and healing and comfort. They know they can come to us and we'll be there. We also want to be what we call a secure base, which means they go off into the world with uh, more support and confidence, knowing that we're in their life. We encourage them. We send them off. We make them better. Those are the, those are the goals we should have when being in someone's life. So we want them to feel safe because we are better and more robust and more resilient when we have people in our life. We know that from all the trauma research, people that don't get post-traumatic stress disorder and aren't traumatized, it's because they both have safe people in their life, people that make them feel safe and have readily, easily access to them as soon as possible. That is how you prevent trauma. Showing up quick and easy, being there, that will help prevent, that will make it lessen, that will ease. So we wanna know how to make them feel most safe. We wanna know how they are made to feel unsafe so as to do more and to do less. Children need that from parents? If you can't answer these questions, you have work to do. If you have a primary partnership, you're married, you're living with someone, you have work to do if you can't answer that. What do they need from you? Is it what you say? Is it what you do? Is it how you say it? Is it about your accessibility? I mean, all the keywords I always say are um, consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. That's how we both, uh, that's how we best communicate that we are there for someone. So ask yourself that. Again, what are their main insecurities? 
What are the phrases, scenarios, and things that trigger them? And what makes them feel safe or unsafe? Because we need to know that. I'm worried if a parent doesn't know that about their child. You don't have a great relationship or you're not really building a secure attachment with your child. I worry about two adults that are best friends or in a romantic or primary partnership that also can't answer that. That tells me that you don't have a lot of intimacy. That tells me you're not spending quality time together. That's telling me you're not emotionally connected. I'm worried. This tells you you have work to do if you can't answer these questions. And if you can, well done. So don't go into shame around this. Be motivated and step up and do it. Get into some couples work or realize I don't want to do this. This isn't the kind of relationship I want. Fine. Let the partner know it's casual. Let them know they can't expect this from you or realize I don't want to do this because I'm angry, resentful, whatever it is, and get out of their life. So there's a couple other things we want to consider and we're going to hit those, but I just want to drive those points home that it's both meaningful. You can answer these questions. If not, Go, go have a conversation and pay more attention to be mindful of experiences with them so as to learn this because these questions might not be easily answered by someone. Not everyone, if you say, hey, what are your vulnerabilities and insecurities? They might not know because they haven't thought about it or they might not necessarily feel safe just vomiting it up. That's a pretty vulnerable thing to just tell someone. So it might take time. Also, we don't always know what we need to make us feel safe. And that's why we have to pay attention to what seems very soothing to the people around us. We have to try things, practice things. This might be brand new concepts and languaging for a lot of us. Not everyone's familiar with this. This stuff is easy for me. I could tell someone quickly what the answers to these questions are. That's because of the kind of work I do on myself, but also, you know, for career. Not everyone understands these things. So it's not about, it's about being motivated and moving towards this. Don't panic if you don't have it. But panic if you're not willing and interested in doing it. Okay, we're going to come back, talk more about this, and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you've got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, drop deeper into, bam, 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 put them on the uh, DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back talking about how to improve the uh, comfort and safety and mental health of those around us. What? Yes, that's right. Any relationship you're part of does fall to some extent on your shoulders. We are not neutral elements in someone's life. It doesn't work like that. Not neurologically, not psychologically. Sorry. <laughs> God, take that, God, take that seriously, especially if someone plays a prim- primary role in our life as our parent, as a child, as a best friend, as a family member that we're close to, as a primary partner of some kind. And so there's a couple of things we want to really try to explore and understand. So as to be a part of a healthy system, because it comes back to us, their health is our health, vice versa. So we're talking about understanding people's insecurities. Uh, it's not our job. People's triggers, vulnerabilities, reactions, and behaviors are all on them. It's for them to learn about themselves. But if we care about someone, we help people. So we understand what their insecurities are. You also want to understand what scenarios or phrases maybe trigger them so as to withhold using those. We also want to understand what makes someone feel very unsafe or uncared for. Because in a primary relationship, we are a safe haven for them to turn to and we are a secure base from which they can go off into the world feeling supported and encouraged. That's our job. That's what relationships are about. It's an evolutionarily built-in mechanism, this social brain that we have. Our brains wire, even in some casual scenarios they wire. Research is quite robust and um, profound. I always sprinkle little pieces of it throughout. 
So there's two other things we want to be aware of and think about. And again, if you're not interested in doing this work, ask yourself why, what is it about this person or this relationship that I just don't seem to care about in this way? Um, kind of do some work with that. <laughs> don't just let yourself off the hook. You can't. Um, so the next one is we want to also understand what makes them feel desired. What makes them feel loved? Now, is this a conversation about love languages? Kinda, I mean, there's books on that and those are some of them, those aren't all of them and that's the author's understanding of it and he has a Christian religious background so it's very specific as to how we saw all this. More importantly though, that's only some of them and this is something we wanna figure out by spending time with someone, talking to them, what makes them feel most desired, cared for and what falls under that is sexy and romantic, like all of that's in there depending on the kind of relationship you have with someone but the short form is just how do they feel most cared for so is that love language? It can be, or it can be their like language of care. Um, I know what all my friends need from me. I know the ones that it just feels good from that to them to hear me in the middle of the day say, Hey, thinking about you, I hope you're having a great day. I know the friends that that would be a really great boost for them. I know the friends that if something important is happening in their life, it'll mean a lot to them. If I call them saying, how did that go? I know the friends that they're having a hard day it would mean a lot to them. If I dropped off a gift or swung by to talk to them. I know what my friends need. I know the friends that I can just send a song to. I know the friends that I can send a screenshot of a paragraph of a book I'm reading that's blown my mind. I know the different care languages of the people around me, which is kind of like the love languages. These aren't real things. These are just concepts we've made up to try to understand the stuff. There's no only the, you know, the book has, I think four. It's like, okay, that's some, they're more complex than that. There's more than that. Some people's love language is eroticism. I mean, it's far bigger than that, but the work is about understanding what do you need and what do they need? But right now we're thinking about what the other people in our lives need. Know the answer to that. What does this person need from me to feel cared for? Because we all need to feel cared for. That is not a need we ever outgrow. Toxic individualism in our culture tells us, well, as adults, you don't need anything. You have to do things on your own. No, you don't. No, you can't. No, that's not true. And that is not healthy. That is not codependent. It's healthy interdependence. Codependence is when the things we're doing make us worse off. <laughs> Being better off because of care and support from people in your life is not a negative thing. It is not toxic. It is not pathological. We need it through our entire lifespan. Be willing to provide it to people around you whose lives you are playing an important role in or a primary role. We're all better off for it. And for those that are a little more self-centered, it's cyclical and systemic, and it'll be better for you, what's better for them, because we're impacted by that, especially if we're in a close primary relationship. I hate that that even has to matter. <laughs> I want it to be enough that this is what someone you care about really, really, really needs. Um, and then the final one, kind of base, kind of basic, kind of simple. But remember, relationships are allowed to bring joy and pleasure into our lives. You know, relationships are allowed to be about fun. So that's kind of in there too. What makes your partner laugh? What makes them have fun? What makes, what brings joy into their life? And are we doing that? Is it about planning things? Is it about gift giving? Is it about jokes? Is it about listening to their favorite bands with them? Is it about going to concerts that they enjoy? Is it about reading with them? Is it about watching their favorite TV show with them? Again, it's an assessment tool. Do you know and are you willing to do it? And if not, why not? And if you do know, do more of it. There's no such thing as too much gratitude. There's no such thing as too much positivity in a relationship. There's no such thing as too much love and affection and care. Same thing with a child. You can't, you can't over care for or love or support your child. I, the research denies 
denies that that can be a problem. We loved building parenting advice on letting your child cry it out, letting your child do things on their own. It doesn't work like that. That actually is very traumatizing and they learn to not be able to depend on others. That's bad. We want people to know that if you turn to people for help and support, they will be there for you and you're better off because of it because that's the damn truth. We are better off for others in our lives. We are not good on our own or in isolation. And that's not even honest for how the world works. We are pretty much always working cooperatively with people around us. We need better relational skills, not less. Move more towards, not away from. We need more socialization, not less, especially based on what we've just come out of and what's going on in the world. Are you kidding me? We need to learn how to care for others and get rid of these boundaries and arbitrary divisions and separations. <laughs> just, so, just watch the news. You'll, you'll see it case in point powerfully. All right, we're going to come back, finish this off, and then uh, we'll be doing some DMs. So still some time to put those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential. DMs, of course, are 24-7. So uh, just like 7-Eleven, so put them on in there, y'all. And uh, also put in there any topics you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. I know I can glaze over things at times. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. Binge, post, re-listen, and share. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back. And we're just kind of finishing up our discussion on things we want to know so that those that are in our lives in primary ways, parent, child, friend to friend, primary partner, whatever it may be, so that we can be good for them. We can understand what they need from us. And so we were kind of spending the night talking about some of the core concepts and questions you want to have answers to. Sometimes we can just ask. For a lot of people, these are really new things. It's going to take time for them to figure it out. We can learn by being more mindful. And as we have experiences with them, logging, what made them smile? What made them feel uncomfortable? What set them off? Okay, noted. I'm not responsible for that, but I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of helping and healing. Never responsible though. So there's that. And then the final thing is, drum roll, dun, 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 dun. am I supporting who they are and what's important to them, which is basically a conversation in accepting who they are. Am I a part of making them feel better about themselves or worse about themselves? Because our role in someone's life should be about making them feel better. I work with some individuals where they come into a relationship thinking I'm going to change them or they need to change. No, they don't. That's who they are. We're allowed to ask for some behavior changes, but we can't try to change who a person is at their core. And often what we think needs to change isn't rooted in right or wrong, even though we'd like to think it is. We think, oh, well, if you're messy, then you need to be clean. No, they don't. These are preferences. That's what you'd prefer. That doesn't mean you're correct or right. Throws a lot of people off when I say that. That's not a right or wrong conversation. That's just a difference in values or a preference. But everyone's feelings and needs are as valid and legitimate as everyone else's. His need to be messy is as important as your need for cleanliness. What's important is can you as a couple lovingly talk about that and support what each other needs and more meaningfully what that's about for them, why that's important to them. It's about intimacy building, but we forget all that and tend to not care about that. And we just want to have things our way. It doesn't work like that. And that's why a lot of this requires more maturity than a lot of us have or are willing to have. Relationships are people growing machines. That's where we get to learn about ourselves and where our work is. See it that way. Parenting and adult relationships are a mirror being held up where we learn about ourselves and where our work is. Period. End of story. You have to be up for that. People don't see it that way. They think often relationships are about what can I get from this? <laughs> what are they going to do for me? It's not, that's not how it goes. So it's about that acceptance piece. Am I supporting who they are? Am I supporting 
how they want to live in the world? Or am I making everything about me? It's called being self-centered and narcissistic. <laughs> you know, healthy people consider the impact in primary relationships of all kinds. They consider the impact on whatever they're doing or saying what it has on their partner. How will my friends feel if I do this? How will my primary partner that I live with feel if I do this? How will my kids feel if I do this? Sometimes it's we do things that will make them uncomfortable or upset. That is part of relationships. In service of something that might be that meaningful for you, you might be willing to disappoint them. That's in there. But we at least think about the impact. Because again, we live in this toxically individualist culture that has trained us to believe we just have to do us. Just do you. It doesn't matter. Keep your side of the street clean. No, keep the neighborhood clean. Care about how everything you're doing is impacting your neighbors. That's collective responsibility and collective care. And relationships are built on that. We are not single systems. We are always impacting others, period, end of story. It doesn't work like that. We're not as separate as we want to believe. We are all fused and impacting each other. We are all part of the same systems, especially when we're in primary relationships with these people. So that's why we have to work on ourselves so we can be better for them. And it circles back. And when we're better for them, they're better for us. And then it circles back again. It's a system. Take that seriously. Again, why I'm always advocating for paying attention to toxicity with people in our lives. That's why I do a whole shows on how to deal with toxic family members, how to deal with toxic friends, how to have a breakup with a friend, how to get away from toxic romantic partners, because it matters. It matters not just within that relationship, but also in the other ones you're a part of because we take it from one relationship into the other ones. That's why we say two parents that are not in a healthy marriage, that is not going to be good for the kids. You are not protecting them from it by thinking you only fight when they can't hear at the doors closed. Your mood, your posture, your energy is impacting them when you're around them, even when you're not around that partner who makes you miserable. Get divorced or go do some healing. But please don't think that your kids are better off just because there's two people living in that household. If they are miserable and depressed and unhealthy, no, it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. That's a good thing and a bad thing. So I'll keep calling that out. <laughs> I'll keep putting you all in check around that. Um, yep, it's a built-in mechanism. So we're at the mercy of it all. It's how our brains are wired, our nervous systems. God bless it for the better and for the worse. Um, and like I said, turn on the news and you can see how much we impact each other. Break it on down. Critical thought. All right, y'all. We're going to come back. We're going to do some DMs. So DMs, it's your big moment. Get all the questions and thoughts you got off your chest. Always anonymous, always confidential. You got a question, put it in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Put them in there and then pass episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share because it's all about the unlearning and then the relearning. We have to embed ourselves in better ideologies and messages. We've got a lot of work to do. You know, part of therapy is often skill building, re-educating ourselves in what healthy relationships or how, you know, what mental health even is about. We don't get that anywhere else. So spend a lot of time in it. So what we try to do here. So we are channelq.com is where we want to go. Like I said, to check out past episodes, spend some time with them. It's, you know, for some, that's the only learning where the learning happens. But all right, we'll be back doing some DMs. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says Hey, Dr. Chris, my fiance and I have been together for three years, engaged for six months. He's been the most supportive person in my life, and I am so thankful for him. Well, look at you. Congratulations. I do my best to show him that I appreciate him every single day. See, that's key. Couples get real good at calling out what's annoying, what's frustrating all the time. Get really good also, more importantly so, at what you value in them. Compliment them. If you're in a relationship, compliment your partner as much as possible. And if you're not willing to, you got deeper problems because you're with someone that you do not want intimacy with or you have resentment. But in a healthy relationship, we focus more on complimenting, praising all the time. Five to one. For every insult, criticism, or put down, which we shouldn't be doing at all, actually, you need five praises or compliments. Oh, yeah. Um, I do my best, you said, to show him, but we got it. You're awesome. Last week, he came to me practically in tears, saying that he felt unappreciated. Shocker, right? Because you're like, hey, I'm giving it to him all the time in some way. I swear I thought I'd been doing everything to make him happy, but he says it's not enough. I kind of feel like in a weird way, he's getting scared of getting married. So he's coming up with this excuse. But if he really does feel like I don't appreciate him enough, how can I show him that I do? You got to ask him. It's not a secret. Yo, bro, you said I don't appreciate it enough. You enough. You said that I'm not showing you enough that you're a value. What can I do that would communicate that to you? Um, it kind of falls back to that like love language thing. You might be expressing care and appreciation in the ways that you feel appreciated and cared for. If you like hearing compliments, you're probably then complimenting because it feels good when you get them. So you're assuming it feels good to him to give them. It feels good for him to get them, I should say. But that's not how it works. We have to understand how our partners best feel loved and cared for. And we have to do that. Yes, we want our partners to learn how we give it and to see it as such, so that's the work. So if you're a human being in a relationship, your job is to both understand how your partner best expresses love to you so you can see it in their language and be like, oh my God, those compliments are them showing me they love me because they express love with compliments. Awesome, I'll start to see that. But you can also say to them, what also I most value is when you do acts of service. So when you are thoughtful and do things for me, that makes me feel cared for. And then you have two vehicles of that love coming at you. So for the writer, author of this question, you're not expressing in ways that it's felt. So you have to say to your partner, how do you most feel loved? And their answer can't be, I don't know. You have to say, well then take some time and think about it. 
Think back to when you've most feel loved by me or someone else you've been with. What did they do or say that did that? Or you say to them, track it for a while. And every time you feel cared for, call out what it is I did or said. It's their job to tell you. It is not your job to just know or to figure it out. Put it, put it back on them lovingly. You let me know, babe, when you figure that out and I'll be happy to do that. But it's not your homework to turn all Inspector Gadget, hire a private detective and read a bunch of books on it. Say, ask them. It's like people that want their partners to know what they like sexually. <laughs> no, you tell me. Put it into words, figure it out and tell me. And if you don't know, how the heck would I know? Give it back to them lovingly. You tell me what you need to feel loved. You tell me what you like sexually and I will do it. But you have to take time to figure it out. This isn't something we're going to maybe bang out right now in two seconds with answers. But give it back to them. Let him tell you. Problem solved. But I think sometimes we think it's for us to know. We should know. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't know anything. We don't do mind reading. That misguides us, misleads us. It's patronizing to the other person. We'll make assumptions about our about what we want and place and project it on them. We'll make assumptions about our exes and place it on them. We'll misread. We don't get to build the intimacy that comes with these kind of conversations. We don't do it like that, you know? That's just keeping ourselves safe and comfortable. So um there it is. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Questions, topics, and past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, all sorts of good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow night, though, so uh, join us then and uh, spend the rest of the night focusing on leisure, pleasure, <laughs> self-care. <laughs> be done working. Drop the bar for yourself and for others. You know, we're trying... We're tr- life is hard enough y'all we're not trying to amp the intensity up we're actually trying to drop it down you know but um yeah take the rest of the night and focus on some self-care some pleasure and some joy you know or at least or at least plan some for tomorrow um yeah we'll see you though as always thanks for hanging out you enjoy the rest of your night have a good night this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 